I want to say welcome to all of our campuses, and uh, I want to announce where our seventh campus is, but before I do that, just welcome to Apple Valley and to Faribault, to our Shakopee campus. I've already jumped to your new location, and uh, excited because in, I think it's about six weeks or so, uh, we're moving in into that location with some pre-launch, and then Easter Sunday launching there, and I think we actually have a, a picture of the building, and if we could show that real quick, you'll see the new auditorium. That's a look from the stadium seating of the stage, and then if we could flip it around, show, there it is, the new stadium seating, and uh, Apple Valley Campus just got jealous, and they're going to repent later, and, uh, but we're so excited for that, being able to open up right there on 169, great location, but love it. We have our Minotrista Campus, our Dinah Area Campus, we have the Egan Campus, and it's great to have all of us being able to uh, join in with video technology and live streaming and be able to be one church, multiple locations. It'd be fun if we had that technology to all say hello to each other and uh, be able to say, you know, hi back and forth. But it's just great that we can have these six campuses and announce that we have a seventh campus. And I want to let you know where our seventh campus is starting and then let you know how it came about. But we are starting our seventh campus on Easter Sunday in the city of Woodbury. So a new seventh campus in Woodbury. So it's kind of exciting. We're heading east and we've kind of been going west and now we have a campus over to the east side of the Twin Cities. And uh, here's what happened. Uh, we are partnering uh, with Valley Creek Church and uh, it's a church that we've uh, coached and helped to launch and we've been in partnership with them uh, for years and just supported what they're doing. And they came to us and they had a nucleus of about 140 people and they said, you know, hey, we, we think that it's time for us to get together and to partner together and do more together than we could apart. And I want to let you know a little bit of the history. Uh, A year ago, we lived in the what if. We just kind of had a moment of, what if we partnered? And we thought about for a little bit. We talked with their pastor and uh, our elders talked. We prayed about it. It just felt like a delay. And uh, then we got a year later and all of a sudden we talked again and it felt like a green light. And I can't... I don't know why God does that. I'm just being very honest with you. Sometimes um, you're, you're charging ahead, and if you know your pastor, you know that I love to charge ahead. And to say no to something seems like uh, out of my nature almost. But it seemed like it was, a, it was a no, it was a wait, it was a yellow light wait a year ago, and now it's a green light, go ahead. And there, Pastor Trent Redmond said, hey, we just think this is a God thing, that we could partner together, do more together than we could apart, what do you think if we partner together? And the elders were unanimous with it, said, let's do it. Um, I met with their leaders. Uh, their leaders were so excited. Um, it, it just, it was just, it felt like they were just like, let's go, let's reach this city. And I absolutely love, they just resonated with our heart. And uh, so we said, all right, let's do this. And we're gonna open in, uh, on Easter Sunday. So we're opening that weekend in Woodbury. And here's what we want you to do. If you know somebody that lives in that area that's looking for a church, or you know somebody that you'd love to get to church for the very first time, uh, invite them. If they're, if they're new to the faith or they're new to church, invite them for Easter Sunday. If they're looking for a place and they've told you, I wish there was a river valley near me and I live over there, uh, let them know about it right now, and we'll let them be involved in the info meetings. And if you're interested in being a part of that uh, church launch as we get our seventh campus going, send your uh, name and just contact info to info at rivervalley.org. 
info at rivervalley.org. And if you do that, we'll be able to compile lists. I had people coming up to me like, oh, we live in Cottage Grove. Or another person said, I live a mile from the new location. And uh, we are just excited to be able to do this. And uh, we're going to need this as well. When we launch at that location, if I can do just a minute with the Apple Valley campus here as I talk to everybody, we're going to need about 200 people from our Apple Valley campus to be sent as short-term missionaries to Woodbury, all right? So you don't have to learn the language. You can eat the same food. It's all good, all right? Um, we need you to go there because we are launching in the high school, the brand new high school. I think we have a picture of the auditorium there. Go ahead and throw that up. You'll see this amazing auditorium. And what we need is 200 people that will bring our DNA and say, we're going to be part of this. Now, here's the thing. Shortly after Easter Sunday, we will be closing down the Apple Valley campus for our remodeling and our renovations. So it'd be a logical time to send 200 people to be missionaries, really, to say, we're going to go there and help launch this with the people that logically live near there, the people that we've expanded to and the Valley Creek congregation, and we're going to go and bring momentum to this location. When the construction is done at Apple Valley, we'll let you come back, all right? So it's a short-term missions trip for about five to six months to say, we just want to launch strong. We want to launch well. We want to bring critical mass to a, a room that seats 900 people, and we're going to do that. So, of course, during the construction time, some of you, uh, it might be logical to make that move to the campus that is actually closer to your home, and we encourage you to be able to do that. Feel free. You're not, you know, quitting the church. You're just going to a different location, and during construction, we'll be meeting Portable at Apple Valley, and uh, so it's just an exciting time, and people say, like, why are you doing this? Why are you adding more campuses, and where's it going? We're praying for 24 campuses in America. That's what we're praying for. I just want you to know your elders, your staff, we're praying for 24 campuses in America. When we get there, we'll try to figure out what's next. But until then, we are praying for that. And this is our seventh campus. We are praying right now for an open door for our eighth campus to be Minneapolis. And we are just doing this because we want to reach people. We want to reach people. We feel that we are a church where people are finding faith. Every time we open a new campus, every time somebody partners with us, Minatrista was 12, now it's 500. Faribault was 40, now it's 400. We see these things happen when Shakopee campus said, hey, we want to join you, and they brought 300, and now 1,000. We just see a growth happening, and we're believing when people partner with us, it's going to happen over and over again, and people find faith. Edina area didn't exist as a church. And less than three years later, it's a thousand people. Many of those people finding faith in Jesus Christ. They were lost. They didn't know Jesus. And we're saying, let's do all we can to reach the next one and the next one and the next one. Matter of fact, last week at River Valley, at all of our campuses, 197 people raised their hand and said they wanted to follow Jesus. I think that deserves a hand clap. So we are excited for this. Uh, we didn't dream up multi-site, but we're in it, and we're doing it, and we're saying, God, help us uh, open the doors, and we'll keep going through them. And I just ask for lots of grace, lots of understanding, lots of grace, lots of patience, and lots of grace as we move forward, all right? Did I remind you? We need some grace. All right, so we're in a series. Uh, let's get into the sermon. We're getting in this series called Greater, and we're looking at the greater presence of God. And I believe this, we need the greater presence of God in our life. It, it's something that I believe the Holy Spirit is doing around the world. I really believe this. It's not just unique to us. 
I, I was in a pastor's meeting three weeks ago and I told him about our series that it was Greater Presence and several of the pastors said, that's the exact same series we're doing. We don't plan together. We don't talk together and yet it's happening. Last week, Beck and I had the opportunity to be with John and Lisa Bevere and a couple other pastors, spent several days together and uh, John told me, he said, hey, my next book, do you know what it's on? I said, I have no clue what's on. He said, it's on the presence of God. He said, I believe God is calling for a greater presence of God in his church. And I actually thought he was teasing me. I thought he had been listening to our sermon series. I said, that's my sermon series. And he said, no, really, that's my next book. And, and he, he's actually coming to preach in August and his book will be launching at that time. So it'll be a refresher course of what we're going through in this series. But it's a God thing. This is a God thing. God is saying it's a time for a greater presence of my Holy Spirit. Like, like evil is rising up stronger and God's saying, but my presence is stronger and my church needs a greater presence of the Holy Spirit and I'm gonna pour it out on the church. And so we're in tune with what I believe the Holy Spirit is doing around the nation, around the world. And so I'm asking God for a greater presence of the Holy Spirit in our church. Now today as we look at this, I'm gonna specifically talk about a greater presence of God in our worship services. Now, I understand this, that when I say a greater presence of God in worship, I understand that it's more than just our worship services, okay? I know that. Don't write me a letter. Don't send me an email. People say like, worship is more than just the time getting together in church with people. I get that. I understand that. I know that Romans 12 talks about this. It says that I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's our life, our time, our attitude, our words, our giving. Everything we do is our worship unto God. But there is a thing that we need to focus on as a church for a greater presence of the Holy Spirit in our worship services. When we come together at all of our campuses and we take this time together and we worship God, we sing our praise to God, we hear the word, we're coming together, we pray together, all these things are happening, we're serving, all these things are happening. We are focusing today for a greater presence of God in those moments. And I understand this, that the church is not a building. We are the church, okay? Any place that we build a building, it's just to keep the elements out. It's a place to come together. We understand that the brick and mortar is not the church. You are the church. But we come together as the church to worship Jesus. And God pours out his spirit in a, in a special way. Now, I've got to say this, that our church values the manifest presence of God. We value the outpouring of his spirit. And the older I get, the more important I realize that we need the presence of God. We need the manifest presence of God. It's, it's a necessity in today's day and age in the church that's going on. We absolutely need a, a pouring out of his Holy Spirit. And as pastors, we say we want to steward it. We want to take care of this. We want to welcome the presence of God. We hunger for it. We pray for it. We desire it. Um, it, it's something that we need stronger, and it's more, so much more important than we realize this. I talked about in week one that you can actually feel, you can actually feel the manifest presence of God in our services. That we had an atheist say, you know, I feel something, I cry. I, I, God reminded me of another time that 
a guy was studying some of the fastest growing churches in America. And we've been on that list several years with our growth rate and everything. And we had a guy and he was studying. And he came to our church one weekend and he said, I'm here to study you guys. I want to know the why behind all this that's happening. And I'm studying. And so I said, great. You know, you can talk to anybody, interview them, see what's going on. He was taking notes. He was taking pictures. He was like, I noticed your color scheme. You know, it looks like caribou. I said, yeah, that's right. You know, he's like, I noticed you have your TVs. I noticed this. I noticed you're singing similar songs to other people. You know, he's like, I noticed that you wear cool shirts. You know, and I was like, there's no anointing in the shirt, all right? <laughs> and incidentally, did you know, Probably the number one question that I get asked after service, I'm, I'm expecting this big theological God question, and people will say, like, can I talk to you? I have a question. I'm like, sure, what is it? And they're like, where do you buy your shirts? <laughs> Lord's from Rack. All right, moving on. <laughs> there's, there's no anointing in this shirt, all right? Uh, but as he's taking these notes and he's doing all this stuff, he gets done, and he's like, you've got it. And I go, what's it? He goes, like, it's here. I go, what do you mean? And he goes, like, it's here. Like, I, he said, I've been going to these churches, and there's, a, there's like, a, a presence, an energy, a something going on that's, that's different from these other churches that are not growing. There's, it's, it's here. It's here. Like, you can feel it. And I said, can, can I explain to you what it is, you know? And I said, it's the manifest presence of God. We are welcoming the Lord. We are welcoming his presence. We desire for the Holy Spirit to move. We want God to touch people. We welcome the presence of God. And if I were you, I would get in on it. It's a good thing, you know? <laughs> He's like, everybody's telling me that. Everywhere I go, you're, you're, you're all saying that, that you, you desire the presence of God, and it's the thing that we desire. You can copy the lights, you can copy the shirts, you can copy the songs, the coffee, the color scheme, you can copy all that, but if you don't have the manifest presence of God, you're missing the real secret ingredient to what's going on here. It's the presence of God moving in people's lives and welcomed in our service. And as much as we understand it, Moses understood it more. And we've used this in the series, but I want to go back to this text. Exodus 33, verse 13. Moses is talking with God. And he says in verse 13, If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? Listen to this. I love this. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? He said, there's, there's no other difference. Like, God, the only thing that's really different about us, there's things that we do that people talk about. But the thing that really is different about us, the thing that really matters, the thing that really is so important is your presence is with us. Your presence is real. And God, don't ever take your presence from us because that's the thing we value the most. And people understood the Jewish people. They said, these people, you know, they don't, they don't work on the, the seventh day. They would say that about them. They would say, these people, circumcision describes them. They would say other things about them and laws and rules that they would obey. But Moses was saying, even if they ever talk about all those other things, God, let them talk about your presence. Let them realize it's your presence. It's not just neat rules. It's not just order that we brought to society 
It's your presence and we've got to have your presence. And he says, we're nothing without you. We're nothing without you. And churches should just realize that we are nothing without the presence of God. We are absolutely nothing without him. But it's interesting. As much as Moses is getting in on the presence of God, he's like, I want more of your presence. I want more of what I've seen. I want more of what you are giving me to experience. How far does this go, God? Can I see your glory? And in the same chapter in verse 18, it says, then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. So Moses is like, God, I know there's more. I know there's more. I've been talking to you through a burning bush. I have seen the plagues. I have seen the presence of God in an amazing way, but I want to see more. I want to get more. And that should be our prayer. God, I want more. I've tasted a little bit. I got a little. I want more of what you have for me. And God's like, there's more Moses, but you can't handle even just a little bit more. I'm gonna have to protect you from the little bit more that I'm gonna show you. And I have to hide you within the cleft of the rock and put my hand over you to cover you from the more. And I'm just gonna let you see a little bit of the glory because you can't even handle that little bit of the glory. And after this point is when he started to glow. After this point, he started to go. Now, let me just tell you something that's interesting about the presence of God. It is so powerful. It is so amazing that even when we get a glimpse of it, a taste of it, a manifest presence, you may fall to your knees. You may cry. You may not be able to control your emotions because the presence of God is so strong. It's not even close to what he's got in store for us. It's not even close. And even with Moses, he's like, I can only give you a little bit. I got to protect you from what you're going to see. And you're going to glow afterwards. Now, I don't have time to go into this, but if you're like me and you read the Old Testament laws and rules and you see, when the priest comes into my presence, he must bathe, then he must change his clothes, then he must bathe again, then he changes his clothes, then he comes into my presence and he must do this, and, he, and if he's sinfully, he dies, and when he comes out of my presence, he has to wash himself again and change his clothes again and burn this and do that, and you're looking at like, wow, okay, This is the the theory and the thought that the presence of God, like it's so powerful, it's beyond like even nuclear energy. And when you look at those Old Testament customs and things and, and obligations that the priest had, it's almost like somebody handling nuclear, uh, being at a nuclear reactor. Because if you know anything about that, uh, I have a relative that works in, in nuclear, uh, in a nuclear factory. 
and power plant. And he's there and he said, yeah, when I read those laws, he said, it's like us. We have to change our clothes and leave those clothes there and decontaminate and put the suit on and then do this. And if you are near it too much, then you have to decontaminate and you have to change your clothes and you have to wash and you have to be washed so that you don't get destroyed from the power of the nuclear energy. Now grab, grab this. God's like, don't you understand that even when the priest comes into my presence and he's coming a little bit closer than everybody else, it's so powerful. If he doesn't follow the rules, he's going to die because my presence is so strong. Wow. And so God's like, Moses, I, I love your request. I love your request for more, but I'm going to have to protect you from this request that you've made. And I'm only going to let you have a little taste more of how good. I, and think after he gets his taste, he starts to glow. The people were afraid of him. Like, I don't want to die, you know. <laughs> Like, what would you think if somebody came in with nuclear glow? You'd be like, sit in that section, not my section. Go to another campus. You know, they'll welcome you, Eddie Dinah. Okay, you're out of here. Yeah. That's what you think. Like, move. And they're, that's what they were doing. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of, there's something about you. Now, interesting thing. I don't have time again to go into all this, but it, it says he hit him in the cleft of the rock. And then he believed that the cleft of the rock was symbolic of Jesus. But the only reason we can go into God's presence is because of the grace that Jesus gives us. And he's like, Moses, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. And Paul kind of alludes to this in Corinthians, and he, and he talks about that rock is Jesus in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. If you want to dig in deeper, you can. But you even think about the hymn. Maybe you've sung it before. You know, rock of ages, cleft for me. You ever think about that? Why are you saying it's the cleft? Jesus, the rock of ages, let me hide myself in thee. You're saying, I'm, Jesus, you're the only reason I could come into God's presence. You are that niche that's been cut out for me so that I can come into the presence of God and experience more of his manifest presence. And there's more where that came from. We're saying, God, by the grace that you give us through Jesus, bring us more into your presence. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And one thing at church is we don't want to limit the presence of God. We don't want to limit the presence of God. I believe this, that when you limit the presence of God, it leads to loss. And a lot of churches want to limit the presence of God. They want to limit. Now, I will tell you this. Some of you are like, wait a minute. I've been in churches that were way crazier than River Valley. That's a good word to use, crazier. All right, we, we try to do things decent and in order. We don't want to limit the presence of God, but we want to keep order. We understand that, that things are subject to, to, to being judged, and we want to make sure that it's of the Lord and not of excess. But sometimes the emotional response gets strong, and we don't have any problem when people kneel or cry or weep. And we understand the gifts of the Spirit are for today, but we keep things decently and in order. And I know some of you are coming in, and you're like, this is amazing. I didn't know there was this much of God. And others are like, come on, keep stepping, keep stepping. And I want to let you know we're not limiting the the presence of God. We cry out for the presence of God. I was talking with somebody this week and he said, he was talking about a pastor that when he prayed, people would be walking by the room and they'd fall down and they just would start to pray with him. I said, man, I would love for that to happen. I would love for that to happen. We want more of what God has. Now, really quickly, Bill Johnson is a pastor out in California. He pastors the church where Jesus Culture, uh, the song Set a Fire in My Heart, it, it's a great church, and he talks about the presence of God having steps. And I just want to quickly go over those steps because I believe in our worship services and in our church service, there's, there's a comfort level, and we want to expand our comfort level for what God wants to do. 
The first thing he talks about is God inhabits everything and holds all things in place, and that's known as his omnipresence. We talked about it, so I won't spend a lot of time in it. But he talked about God being omnipresent and that churches believe that Colossians 1.17, he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. And they believe that God is omnipresent, and that's a beautiful and good thing. And just church after church after church is comfortable with, is God omnipresent? Yes, they're good with that. But he says there's a next level. God's presence is there with the indwelling of the believer. And we talked about that too. We said that most churches are comfortable with God's spirit becoming the indwelling presence in you. Not all churches, which seems weird, but not all churches are comfortable, but most. I had a call once from a person. They said, can I talk to you about your weekend service? I said, absolutely. What do you want to know? They said, "Uh, do do you preach from the Bible? I said, "Uh, yes, we do. And I was like, what? What could I preach from? They said, well, our current pastor preaches from chicken soup for the soul. I said, does he ever read the Bible? No, but he does read the Reader's Digest. I said, okay, we do read the Bible here. And they said, do you believe in the indwelling? Like, like God takes up residence with you? I said, yes, we do. They said, great, we'll see you Sunday. All right. And now he's one of our elders. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> did, he, did he call? He did call. But most churches are, not all, okay? But then he talks about a next level. He says, there's the level of exponential increase. And although it's not called that in the Bible, Matthew 18, 20 says this, for wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. And the people that Jesus was speaking to, the Jewish people of the day would have understood this. They believed this in their oral tradition. They'd share things about God. In the first written oral tradition, it's called the Mishnah, they would actually, they actually said that where two or three people are gathered, God's presence is right there with them. It's like they're in a special way because they're there together and there's like an energy that's going on and God loves it when people are coming together unified. And so there's an an exponential level of God's presence when we pray together. When you're in life group, there's an exponential opportunity of God's presence wherever two or three are gathered. And if, and if you're agreeing together and you're praying together, that's why when I was having my heart attack, I was like, I want you to pray. I want the law of exponential increase. I want as many gathered in his name to increase whatever's going on in this situation. It's the manifest presence. And a lot of churches are comfortable with that. They're okay with let's pray together and let's believe that God will show up in prayer. But then there's another level that separates some churches in the presence of God. And it comes down to the worship time, the praise and worship. There's a level of intensity in the manifest presence of God in our singing of praise and worship. There's just something about that time that God inhabits and shows up and starts to work and starts to move. Psalm 23 or 22.3 says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. It's like God's inhabiting the praises of his people. Psalm 95.2 says, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. There's something about coming into his presence and singing that's going on and it doesn't need musical instruments. I've been at Promise Keepers where acapella, these guys were singing and all of a sudden the presence of God just flooded the stadium. But I've been in times where we've been praising and worshiping God and all of a sudden the intensity rises up and you can just feel the manifest presence of God. I was at our Edina campus the other day and and just during one of the songs, the, the presence of God was so strong and I got up to preach. I said, did, did you feel that? 
Did you feel that? And it happens at all of our campuses. Uh, did you feel that? It's the manifest presence of God. It was an intensity. I was following people on Twitter and Instagram this week and people were saying, the presence was so go- great. I wept during worship. It was so intense. That's happening. There's something going on. And not all churches are comfortable with that. Not all churches, like they drop, they're okay with omnipresent, indwelling, prayer presence. But when it comes to worship, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's hold that down. I was on sabbatical and we went and looked at a bunch of churches. I had a, a, a month off in one of the years and I get a sabbatical next year. And um, we went and traveled as a family and toured other churches. And we went to one church with a great reputation. And we were there during worship and Connor and Logan, Becca were there. And Logan leans over and he goes, dad, what's going on during worship? Like they just like, they just are disengaged. Like nothing's happening. And he goes, the good songs. I mean, good songs, great band, great lights. Dude's got a cool shirt like you, better hair, more hair, you know, like, it's all good. What's the deal? I said, just keep worshiping, you know? And he's like, Dad, what's going on? I mean, nobody wants to raise their hands. I mean, these guys all have lattes in their hands and they're just standing here looking around at the room. And he's like, Dad, there, there's, we, we could go for it. And I said, just keep worshiping. At the end of the worship, he's like, you know, what was the deal? And I said, well, Sonny, he said, they're, I said, they're just, we're a spirit-filled church and they're not a spirit-filled church and they've kind of drawn the line here and they don't want to move into that manifest presence of God and they don't want to embrace being spirit-filled. And he goes, that's the difference? He goes, I love this spirit-filled. I love the presence of God and it's so good. And then he looks at me and he goes, hey, Dad, don't ever not be spirit-filled, okay? It's really good. And then I was like, theologically, like, can I unspirit-fill myself? I don't think I can, you know? So I was like, but I get it. I get it. And I'm saying right now, we want that. But there's another level. There's another level. And I love this fifth level. It's the level of being undone. The level of being undone where the Spirit of God pours out on your life in such a way you're undone. 1 Kings 8, 10 through 11 says this. And when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Man, the presence of God was so strong, they just had to fall to their knees. The presence of God was so strong that they lost it. Matter of fact, Revelation 1 talks about John, and it says, here's John, the apostle that knew Jesus face to face, and when he sees him in the vision, in verse 17, it says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last, or I'm the alpha and the omega. John's like, this is amazing. There's a presence of God I didn't know. Like I knew Jesus on the earth and now I'm seeing him here. And this is more than I can handle. And he falls to his face. There's a level of being undone where God pours out his spirit. And I love that level. I love that level. I long for that level. I've experienced it many, many, many times. I just, it stood out to me. I remember last year dealing with a difficult situation in our church and I ran to the altar during worship and I fell to my knees. People probably thought something was wrong with me and the manifest presence of God just brought me to a level of undone. And I'm so glad you were singing and praising worship because I just groaned out before God. I was undone. I couldn't stand. And all of a sudden his presence just touched me and I was able to get up and get through it. I'll never forget being at Hillsong with a bunch of our staff and Reinhard Bonnke was preaching. 
And he started screaming, heaven full, hell empty. Let's reach the lost, heaven full, hell empty. And just the manifest presence of God filled that stadium. And each one of us was like, we want to fill heaven for you, God. And I was weeping and I looked at my whole pastoral staff. We were all weeping. Next thing you know, we were on our knees, heaven full. God, may our church reach lost people. I was in another service and we were in a prayer meeting and I was interceding and we were one campus. This is amazing. We were just one campus at the time and I fell to my knees and I was like, God, pour out your spirit on this church. Let us reach lost people. And I started crying out and we were only one campus. I didn't even dreamed up multi-site and I started praying for our city. Then I started praying for Dakota County and then I started praying for the Twin Cities. Then I started praying for Minnesota. Then I started praying for the United States and I just thought, this is just like, a random burden. And now that we're multi-site, I just see in that moment, God was like, you're undone and I want to pour out my spirit on you. There's more I want to do on you. Man, I love this. I was at a youth retreat when I was a youth leader. Pour out a spirit. God pours out his spirit to a level of undone and we welcome that. You should welcome that. I know sometimes you're like, I don't know. I don't know. Trust me. We'll keep things decently in order. But I love when God brings us to a moment of undone. I love it when there's just a presence of God that's so strong, we go to our knees and we can't even handle it. And then we leave. You know what's great? It's not just like a bless me club. We leave changed. We leave changed with a deeper understanding of how amazing his presence is. We leave changed. And that's what happens. The world is changed because of it. And I would say this, God, help us to be undone. Help us to go to the next level. Help us to not limit you and help us, God, to move forward. And I would say this, Lord, if you're not going with us to Woodbury, we don't want to go. Lord, if you're not going with us to Minneapolis, we don't want to go. Lord, if you're not going to the next place after that, we don't want to go. We want to go and have your presence there and we want to be used by you. Lord, help us to be undone and do more in a manifest moment than we could do in years and years and years and years of ministry. So, Lord, we desire more. We desire more of you. And so, God, we pray, show us your glory. Show us your goodness. I love that you said to Moses, I'll show you my goodness. Show us your goodness, Lord. Show us your goodness. Show us your glory. We desire more. Can we lift our hands here and all of our campuses? We just say, Lord, we desire more of you. With our hands raised high, we say more. Fill us. Use us. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Manifest your presence in our lives. Bring us to the point of being undone. Help us to be changed so that we leave your presence. People understand we've been with you, God. We'd go into a restaurant. People would know we've been with you. We'd go through our lives and they'd know that we've been with you. We desire more. And if you don't go with us, we don't want to go. We desire more of your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.